And I'll just give you a little hint or a little heads up that next week's Christmas message was a, is a lot of work. I'm still working on it. Uh, Bruce Johnson challenged me to not do the easy Christmas messages. So we're going to the prophecy in the Old Testament. So we're going to be looking at that. And I, I told him I was going to give him a hard time. And so I think I'm just going to continue uh, this week and next week doing that as often as I can. But for today, we're going to be in Psalms chapter 3. And this is a psalm that was written near the end of David's lifetime. And he is experiencing a time of trouble. In this case, it's a time of family trouble. He's, he has issues with his son uh, that's going to end poorly for one of them in that future. Uh, one thing I learned about the book of Psalms is it's not written chronologically. Because here you have Psalms 3, which is near the end of his life. And then you have... 147 other chapters that are kind of intermingled between the before and after. So it's just it's something that I've learned, uh, something that I'll remind you of, that it was it's um, scripture set to music. So that's something to keep in mind as we read through this as well. So let me read for you Psalms chapter 3. And keep in mind, uh, we are preparing for trouble. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on my head, on me, and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. Let's pray. God, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this great big book of Psalms and for what was so personal uh, to David in his life and what he's going through and, and just what we can learn from this uh, about your greatness and about how to deal with life on our own uh, through the situations we find ourselves in. God, again, I just I thank you for this word. I just really want you to speak through me in a real, in a living, in a powerful way, so that this is not anything that Josh said, but this is the Holy Spirit speaking, obviously, through me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we all have experienced in our lives times of trouble. Uh, troubles come from various sources. For some, troubles do come from families. Anybody want to admit to that or relate to that? Uh, some people relate, uh, troubles come from dealing with health issues. Other people have work-related issues. And troubles come from for various lengths of time. Uh, some troubles are really short. I told you about my, my flat tire troubles, which was about a 30-minute experience. But we have troubles that have lasted for months, and even troubles that we're still living through at, at the moment. And whenever you see somebody going through trouble, uh, how many here have ever thought, I'm glad that's not me? I have. I was talking to Steve Lozen this week a couple of days ago when he's telling me about some project at work which is like way over my head on what it actually really means but it didn't sound good and it didn't sound like a project that I would even dream of being a part of and I just all I told him was I'm glad it's you and not me are we you know when what do you do during quarantine you sit at home you, you start watching YouTube right YouTube and so that's what we've done a lot of we've watched a lot of incredible amazing stupid car wrecks or people make bad choices. And all I, I, all I think is when, when a car barely misses the accident and is able to just scoot by, says, boy, that poor person, glad that's not me. 
right? But we all know that at some time we're going to find ourselves in that position of, oh no, I am the one in trouble. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about preparing for the trouble before it comes. It's not going to be about driving, about make sure you double, you know, look over your shoulders before you pass or set your emergency brake, but about what do we do as far as it relates to God before the trouble comes. And then when the trouble gets here, how do we deal with it as well? So this is uh, a, tr uh, a trouble that David is having with families. Um, if you have your Bible and you look at Psalms chapter 3, there's a little heading under it that is in, I think, every Bible. It says, a Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. So you find out right there that this is, oh no, it's family trouble. And obviously, let me get up to the slide here, everyone has troubles. David says, oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. If we want to better understand the way the reason this psalm was written, we need to go back to Second uh, Samuel chapters 13 through 18. That's a lot of books. I mean, that's a lot of chapters, right? So I'm not going to sit here and read that to you, but I want to give you the chain of reactions that kind of led to this point where David is fleeing for his life from his son Absalom. So um, let me let me try to give you this synopsis and and just. FYI, this is a situation that I feel like David has created for himself. It's something that he did not take care of, that is catching up to him, that's going to bite him in the backside as he moves forward. So let's start with this. David had lots of kids. David's firstborn son was a man named Ammon. David's thirdborn son was a man by the name of Absalom. They had the same father, David, but they had different mothers. Right, so these guys are brothers with the same father and the different mothers. What would happen was uh, Absalom had a very beautiful sister uh, named Tamar, and uh, Ammon fell in love with her. He fell in lust with her because he wanted to have her, and he ended up raping her. And Absalom found out about this. And do you think Absalom was happy about this? No, and rightfully not. Well, someone found out about this by the name of King David. And King David, as a dad... And as a king, did nothing about this. That really, I think, ticked off Absalom because it was his sister that this happened to. And so, uh, for two years, Absalom kept this thought in his head. What did uh, Ammon do to my sister? Two years later, he got this whole scenario going, and he had his brother Ammon killed for, for what he did. And then he fled the country. And then Absalom was gone for three years and hiding kind of from David and from this whole situation. Well, after three years, David forgave Absalom and let him come back to Jerusalem. But things still aren't good because David won't let Absalom see him face to face, which Absalom does not like. So over some time has passed, Absalom and, and David are able to meet face to face, and it appears that everything is reconciled, that everything has been forgiven and forgotten. I think at least from David's point of view, but not from Absalom's point of view. I think he's still thinking, Dad, you failed me. As a dad, you didn't take care of this. As a king, you did nothing about this. Because for the next four years, Absalom is working very hard behind the scenes to gather up all the support from all the people to make him the next king. I want, we're going to read this together. I'll read it to you. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. 
It says, in the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses, and with 50 men ahead of him, he would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gates. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call to him and say, what town are you from? He would answer, your servant is from one of the, the towns or the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say, look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no one to represent you to the, represent to be a representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or a case could come to me, and I would see that he gets justice. So you get this idea that he is not happy that his dad did not give justice to his sister. He just let that go. So he's starting to gather up all the support of the people, which he does. Also, when everyone approaches him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way towards all the Israelites who came to the king, asking of justice, and so he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Very crafty, very wise man Absalom is. And after these four years, you find out that he does, in fact, have people proclaim that he is king in Hebron, which is the town where David was first proclaimed king of Judah. And then when David hears about this, he's afraid. And David and his men and his family all take off to a foreign area because of what the king is, uh, because of what Absalom is doing, because of the support that he is raising in order to take out David's life. David has real troubles. David has family troubles. One son, Absalom had issues with the son Ammon, and now Absalom has an issue with David that he wants to take care of. And this isn't just a family quarrel. This isn't just dad and kid not getting along. This is a life and death trouble where Absalom says, fine, I want the throne out. I'm going to do the just and right decisions. David had his problems. Guess what? We have our problems, right? We all have problems. At the different lengths of time, different kinds of problems, we all have issues. Some of you have people problems. Not, not saying that I look and see you have people problems, but I know we as people just have people problems. It could be family members that we don't get along with. I have been there. I've done that. Uh, it could be a boss, that somebody who's constantly picking on us and writing us and giving us the worst schedule. I told you about the one time I almost could have committed murder. It was a guy that I was working for in construction. We were two stories above the hard ground. And he, I just had it after months and months of him picking on me. I just about ran up to him and pushed him as hard as I could off the deck and said, I don't care what happens. I had people problems and I had to get out of that line of work. But you might have had people problems. Maybe you don't have people problems. Maybe your family's all wonderful. You get along with your boss. But we all, maybe you have financial problems. This year has been, uh, it's been, it's been a big deal for a lot of people as far as um, finances go. With the COVID, um, there's lots of businesses that have been shut down. A lot of people have lost jobs. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you know somebody who's lost a job based off of what the COVID has done. COVID has screwed up our Christmas play, right? All over the place. This person's sick. This person's sick. Um, it, it's just one of those things that COVID is really screwing things up. And maybe it's an investment that you made into the stock market. Everything last year was going great. It's making all sorts of money. And then all of a sudden this year it tanks because you're having financial troubles. Maybe you don't have people problems. 
Maybe you don't have financial problems, but maybe you are having health problems. And there are a number of people in our church who have various health issues, from cancer to surgeries to lifelong ailments that we're going to have to live with. Uh, some of you have health problems that you have to deal with. Maybe you don't have people problems. Maybe you don't have financial problems. Maybe you don't have health problems, but you have some kind of problem. It could be like car troubles. It could be the country song that you, you lose your dog and you lose your wife and you lose your truck and you play it backwards so you get it all back. Everybody has problems. And if you don't have problems, I'm sorry. You're going to have problems. Moving forward this week, you're probably going to have some kind of issue. I'm sorry. I'm not asking that to happen, but it's going to probably happen. But what I want to discuss for the rest of the time is what do I do about that? Because I don't know what is going to come. I don't know how I'm going to have to handle what's coming to me. But I want to, wanted to, I want to remind you of what did David do before the problems came in his life or after the problems came. Uh, Psalms chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. It, David says, But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Where do you turn when you have trouble? David turned to the Lord. He could turn to the Lord because he had a relationship with him. It was his first option. And you guys know the stories of David. He, he fought Goliath. He fought armies. He fought a lion. He fought a bear. He was a warrior. He didn't say, you know what, guys, we're not going to run away. We're going to stand here and fight. We're going to take off or take on um, Absalom. He didn't, as soon as he got away from there, he didn't say, let's regroup and let's go fight. That wasn't his first option. He didn't run to some kind of bottle, some kind of addiction to help him cope with this. What he did was he went to the Lord. And why could he do that? Why could he go to the Lord? Because he had a relationship with the Lord. David was a man who prayed. He prayed to the Lord all the time. I read and found out that he, before he went to battle, he prayed, should we really go and do this? He prayed for his son who was in the throes of death after his affair with Bathsheba. He was praying and fasting, I think, for seven days. He prayed to God for forgiveness. When he, he wrote the Psalms, there was a number of them that were words of praise to the Lord. The key is that David did not wait until the problems came before he tried to have a relationship with the Lord. He started far before that time. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, you find out that uh, Saul disobeyed God. And Samuel said, you know what, at some point the throne's going to be taken away from you. And I'm gonna re you're going to be replaced by somebody who God has chosen, who's, who's a man after his own heart. That was David, a man after his own heart. When he's a shepherd boy, you know, he's learning how to play his little harp, and he's practicing with his slingshot, and he's watching these sheep, probably thinking, this is all that life is going to be for me. And he's a man after God's own heart. He's singing these songs, these songs to the Lord at that point. He didn't wait till he was king. He didn't wait till he had an enemy breathing down his throat. He started a long time ago. So when that trouble came, he could, the natural thing was to go to the Lord in the first place. He already had this relationship with God, and so he was able to turn to the Lord. And when he was able to turn to the Lord, David was able to relax. Uh, Psalms chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, he says, I lay down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. 
I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. And that's literal. Tens of thousands of people were David's enemy coming with, with Absalom to take out David. And here's David out in the open country. He's not speaking from behind castle walls that are, you can't penetrate. He's out in the open. He's got the night sky. He's got like nothing really around him to protect him. And he says, I can sleep. You know, I don't know about you. I, I had a really rough time sleeping last night. Because I, I think I was thinking a lot about uh, the election stuff. And I know uh, there's a lot in the news about how Biden's already won. But there's a lot of things that have, have yet to be determined. Um, there's a lot of other news sources that are talking about all this fraud and how it got brought to the Supreme Court. Texas and other states are bringing it there, and they wouldn't look at the case. That makes me mad. That's 10,000 drawn up on every side, and I had the hardest time trying to sleep because I think this is so not fair. If that does not work, we are in a massive amount of trouble. But I had to remind, remember that I have this relationship with the Lord. I can go to Him, and I can trust Him. It doesn't matter what is going on around me because ultimately God is in control. David's facing a real life and death situation at that point and says, I can go to sleep. And I, I Josh, have to, have to trust God the same way that David did it. Yes, I can go to sleep. I have a relationship. I can relax because God is worth trusting. <clears throat> David has nowhere else to turn. There's, not the, the, there's no lot on his side to, to go and say, please help me. Uh, he's not running to another army to say, hey, guys, come join me to, to take back the throne. He has no place to hide, yet he can relax enough to sleep. That's pretty impressive to me. If someone's after me, uh, I think about stressful situations in my life. I was stressed to the point of I, I had all I could do is sleep. But David's not like that. He says, I have a relationship with God. I am relaxing, and I am trusting God for this. Because he had a relationship with God, he's able to relax, and he was able to trust God. He's able to rely on God for the outcome. Uh, Psalms chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, I lie down to sleep. Somehow, he was able, let me, let me keep going here. It says, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. I have a relationship with God, so then I can relax, and so then I can rely on him moving forward. David's whole life was on relying on the Lord. And this was just another opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to trust you in spite of what you're going to do. And ultimately, if we go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 18, verses 9 through 10, God takes care of this, this problem. Or he allows people to take care of this problem. Because uh, they do eventually meet in battle. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 9 through 10. It says, Now Absalom happened to, be, uh, happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule. And this is why I, God blessed me with baldness, just so you know. Um, he was riding his mule, and as the mule went under the thick branches of a large oak, Absalom's head was caught in the tree. He was left hanging in midair while the mule was riding and kept on going. It was his hair that caught him in the tree. Okay, that wasn't like his head stuck in a branch. It was his hair that caught him. And one of the men saw this. He told Joab, I saw Absalom hanging up in an oak tree. 
And then in verse 14, Joab said, I'm not going to wait like this for you. So he took three javelins in his hands and he plunged them into Jab, uh, Absalom's heart while Absalom was still alive in the oak tree. God took care of him. God, God took care of what David needed. The whole army was after David. They didn't matter who else died. As long as David died, David was like, I'm trusting God. And ultimately, God came through for what David needed. So where do you turn uh, when you're facing troubles in your life? Because there's a lot of options out there. I'm going to start with the first, the best, should be the only option. And that is to turn to the Lord. You know, because we're going to face troubles. But God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He knows how to handle every situation. He's omniscient. He knew what you were going to drive into. He knew what you were going to walk into. He knew what your boss was going to put on you. He's not surprised. He knows it all. How is your relationship with God right now? Because you're going to face troubles. Are you going to be the person who says, I'm going to wait until the trouble comes, and then going to pray and ask God to be my genie in a bottle? And say, God, please get me through this? Because... We all know we do that. When I'm, when, I'm in a, when I'm sliding down the slick road, all of a sudden I'm turning to God. But God didn't come just to rescue that. You know, he didn't come just to be your genie in the bottle. We, we know that um, with Christmas time, Jesus came to, to give salvation down to this earth so that we could have eternal life. That's why he came in the first place. But he didn't just come to do that. He didn't just come to be a baby so we can sing Christmas songs and put on the world's greatest Christmas play. He came to give us salvation, but God wants to be a part of your life everywhere, all the time, not just when you're facing troubles. So that means in the morning, when you wake up, you're rubbing the, the sleep out of your eyes. He wants to be a part of the, the mornings. When you're at school and you're, you're realizing, I don't know the answers to this test, God wants to be a part of that. And when you finally settle it down, through your day, after going through the world's worst day, God wants to be a part of your life at that point too. David prayed because David had a relationship with God. Psalms 9:10. this is written probably by David, says, Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. The Lord is our best option, and if we know him, we will trust him. And then he's not going to forsake us even though it might feel like it through the situations that you still find yourself in, he's never going to leave you on your own. He's always going to be there with you. We have ample reasons to trust God. Right? We are all, I think, trusting him for salvation. That's the biggest possible thing that we could be trusting God for is our salvation. We're trusting God that he's actually forgiving us. Right? Anybody here ever confess your sins to God? You're counting on the fact that he's forgiving you? You're counting on the fact that Jesus is up in heaven interceding for you, saying, yes, Josh blew it again, but I paid for that. I'm counting on those things. So why is it when I come to my everyday life, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm turning everywhere else from where I should be turning? You know, the, the scripture is full of examples of hope, of God coming through. Uh, it's a couple of verse, a verse we've looked at a lot lately. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You need some hope? Find it in God's word. See what God did for David. See what God did for all the New Testament apostles. See what God did for everybody 
throughout Scripture, find hope in there. We have so much reason to have confidence and hope like David did. God got David through that. God can get us through. God kept him in peace. We can have that same kind of peace. Once again, this quote that I like to keep bringing up that probably for, for me is, my joy is in proportion to my trust. The more I trust God, the more joy I'm going to have. Because I'm not stressed out. I'm not worried. I have complete confidence. But where do I get that trust from? It's in proportion to my knowledge of God. The more I know God, the more I'm going to trust God, the more joy I'm going to have. That's how David could be sleeping in the middle of the night, knowing that the enemy is out there, because he could trust God. But it wasn't a blind trust. It was based off of a relationship that he had with God. Everyone has ups and downs. Everyone uh, is going to go through tough times. Uh, every, everybody's going to be facing situations that they don't want to do. God wants you to trust him. Our scripture reading, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That means sometimes I'm going to have to trust God when I have no idea what he's doing. I don't like what he's doing. I have no idea where this is going to lead. I don't even know if he's going to get me through this. But I'm supposed to trust God at the same time. We know all this. This is nothing new. I don't think I said anything new to you I just retell, retelling you some of the same things. But yet, we still do the same stubborn things of going to the wrong sources. When we face a problem in our life, the first place we turn, for some of us, is people. And I have been there, and I have done that. I face worries in my life, and the first thing I do is go run to mom and dad when I was a kid. I told you I used to turn to my brother. I would turn to anybody who I felt like could give me advice. And some people did. And God can use people to do that. But where should I go first? I should go to the Lord. Uh, some people turn to addictions. You know, they like to drown out their issue. Uh, it might be with the bottle. It might be on the computer. Even computer games or a book or even shopping. I know I have this issue that's in my life that I don't want to deal with. I'm just going to do other things. But that puts you kind of in a, a double way. I mean, because... I still got my problem in the first place, and whatever I'm turning to for my addiction has eaten up all my time, or has, uh, is something that I'm ashamed of and I need God's forgiveness for, so I'm worse off. But yet we still do that. We still struggle. Instead of turning to God, we turn to something else to make us feel better. And then there are some people who just ignore it, or they deny their issue. I, I have this, uh, this problem with a family member. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to the Lord. I'm just going to ignore that it exists. I've done that myself before. But ultimately, your problem is unavoidable. You know, David, he could have ignored Absalom, that he's got this big army coming after him, and that, but it wouldn't have gone away. Absalom was coming after him anyway. You're going to have to deal with your situation, whatever your problem is. The people, the job, the, uh, the finances, the health issue. You can't just ignore those things. And drown those things out forever. At some point, you've got to deal with it. And how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to go the world's way and anything else? Or are you going to go God's way and go to him first and say, get me through this, God. I don't know. I, got, I feel like i got the enemy against me on every side. I don't know what to do. But I'm trusting you because I have this relationship with you. And I'm going to rely on you, God, to accomplish whatever it is that you want. You know, everybody has problems. 
You know, they're, they're, going to, they're going to come. Maybe you've had more than your fair share. Maybe it's family problems. Maybe it's money problem, problems. Maybe it's car problems. But what, what, are you, what are you going to do to prepare for that? Or when do you prepare for your problems? A lot of times you find yourself right in the middle of it, and you've got to make these quick, drastic decisions. What do I do? I want to challenge you to prepare for your problems now. You're sitting in church. Hopefully there's no problems in your life. Talk to God now to keep that relationship alive and vibrant. Ground yourself in His Word so that you are prepared to handle situations when they come. Keep that relationship fresh and anew with the Lord so when that trouble comes, it's just a natural thing. God's like, yep, I was just waiting for you, Josh, because we have this relationship. Not like, oh, great, thanks, Josh. Now you're coming to me because you got another problem. So keep the relationship live and fresh with the Lord from this point on. The better your relationship is with the Lord, the more you're going to be able to relax about your situation, and the more you're going to be able to rely on God to deal with that situation in the future instead of trying to figure it out on your own. Go to the Lord in prayer. Trust Him. He, will, he, will, he won't let you down. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for how great you are. God, I, I think of David, and I think about all the times that he prayed and all the issues and struggles that he had. And they were life and death, God. And most of the situations that I fight are not life and death. They're, they're pain, they're hurtful, they're, they're a struggle, God. And God, I know that you know exactly when my problems are coming and how I'm going to deal with those. And God, I want to be prepared. I want to keep my relationship fresh with you. I don't want it to be stagnant. I don't want it to be um, something that only is kindled when I have a problem. I want it to be something that's kindled every morning, every afternoon, every evening before I go to bed. And I just pray that you'd help me to do that. I pray that you'd help each of us in here to keep our relationship fresh and, and be able to trust you for whatever you want to accomplish in our futures. In Jesus' name.